Uh, this morning, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about a message called Come and See. I've, um, everyone has their favorite places to go, right? So uh, one of the places recently in Burlington that I've been going a lot is a place called Pressed Cafe. Has anyone been there? Anyone been to a couple people Pressed Cafe? I'm going to make Pressed Cafe disciples this morning. Um, <laughs> A few months ago, so I'm always looking for new coffee shops that open up in Burlington, always looking for a place to go and to meet and work on my sermon sometimes. And so Pressed opened up last November, and I went in there, and the first thing I did when I was in there, I got out of my coffee, sat down, first thing I did was take a picture and send it out. I think I sent it out to the rest of the church staff and said, here's a place that just opened up right next to the church, you're going to check this place out. And I sent it out to them, and I, then I sent it out to some, you know, some other friends, mostly because whenever these restaurants open, I just want enough people to go there so they stay open because I like them, and, and I, I just want them to have enough business to stay open because I've seen too many of them come and go. Uh, but press, you know, is great. And so whenever I, uh, I talk to someone or whenever I have to meet with someone, they say, hey, where, where do you want to meet? I said, let's go meet at press. Let's go have lunch there. Let's grab a coffee there. And nobody had to tell me to invite people to Pressed Cafe. Uh, nobody had to tell me, hey, why don't, you, why don't you invite your friends? You know, it's just like you go to some places and you really like them and then you tell other people about them, right? Followers will tell other people and create other followers of places they really like, right? I mean, that happens with a place you like going, a place you like frequenting, and, and you tell other people about it. Maybe it's a restaurant, maybe it's a coffee shop or someplace like that. Um, and followers create other followers. And when it comes to following Jesus, there's also something, instead of follower, followers you could say, but you could also say disciples create other disciples, right? Uh, disciples create other disciples, or followers create followers. In fact, Jesus said this is the way it should be. Jesus, when he first started his teaching, he was talking to Peter, and Peter was a fisherman. And he said, Peter, you're out catching fish. Why don't you come follow me, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. In other words, you're going to catch other followers of me. And then at the end of his time on earth, right before he ascended back into heaven, Jesus said this. He said, one of the last instructions he gave people, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. And here's what I take from that. Jesus didn't say, go and be a disciple. He said, go and make disciples. And sometimes, I think as Christians, we think we're called just to be disciples. But Jesus said, in order to be a disciple, you have to make disciples. In fact, that's what a disciple is. Followers create followers. Disciples make disciples. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that this morning. And I'm going to give you a fair warning at the beginning here, a little bit of a disclaimer. Um, I want to talk a little bit to, uh, not a little bit, I want to focus really in on those of you that call yourselves Christians this morning. Those of us, I shouldn't say those of you, those of us that call ourselves Christians this morning. And I recognize that on any given Sunday, it's, sometime, it's somebody's first Sunday at Mount Hope, uh, and I understand that. And if you're a guest here, and maybe you're not a Christian, we're glad that you're here. 
and uh, I'm not ignoring you, but I want to talk a little bit to those of you in the church, those of, you that, those of us that call ourselves Christians this morning. We're kind of at a unique time in our year, and I'm going to talk about that. We've just finished a sermon series. We're going into a time in our year that I think is kind of a unique time between now and the end of June, and I'll tell you why in a few minutes. And I wanted to take a break, Pastor Brian and I wanted to take a break kind of out of our sermon series and just talk to you as the church for a few minutes about this important aspect of followers creating followers, disciples making disciples. And if you're a guest here this morning, maybe you're a Christian or maybe you're just here considering Christ, you came on a great Sunday because you get a little inside information. You get to kind of sit back and listen and say, oh, we'll see what they're about. Let's see what they're really thinking about um, when they talk to each other and we're not around, right? Um, So I just want to talk kind of today and you can kind of listen in. You can kind of eavesdrop on a conversation uh, between, I want to talk to those of you who are Christians, those of you in the church today about that, because I think this is an important topic, the idea that uh, we are not just called to be disciples, but to make disciples. And let me let you know a couple assumptions I'm making right off the bat. And here's some assumptions I'm making about you right off the bat. If you're in here and you call yourself a Christian, this is your church, you call Mount Hope your church home, here's some assumptions I'm making about you. One assumption is that you as a Christian have non-Christian friends. That you know people who don't follow Jesus. That you know people who don't go to church. That you know someone in your life that doesn't follow Jesus, that doesn't go to church, that, that wouldn't consider, that wouldn't call themselves a Christian. That you know people who are close to you, but far from God. All right? How many of you would say that's true in your life? I know people who are close to me, but far from God. Okay, so, so it's an accurate assumption. Most of us... Most of us. That Carrie, yeah, that's, uh, so they would say, yeah, they don't want to talk about God, some people. So they, um, so you know people who are close to you, but far from God. Here's another assumption I'm going to make. Those of you who are Christians and know people who are close to you and far from God, think that those people that you know who are close to you and far from God would be better if they knew Jesus. Would, would their life, their, their life would be better, they would be better if they knew Jesus, their life would be more on target, on track, that they, they would be blessed, there would be good things, that like we want, you want them to have what you have, you want them to know Jesus. It's an assumption I'm going to make. So you know Jesus, you know people who don't, but you'd like them to know Jesus, and here's the last assumption I'm making, that uh, many of us, even though we know people who are close to us and far from God, and we think they should know Jesus that we often don't tell them about Jesus or we don't share with them about God or we don't share as much as we think we should or we ought to. And many of us, uh, many of you do, and you say, no, 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 that's not me. Well, you can just listen in as I talk to everyone else then Uh, because I think a lot of us don't. We don't do this word that sometimes is a scary word for people, evangelism. Right? And that, that could be a scary word, evangelism, right? And you say, whoa, whoa, whoa Pastor, what, what is that, evangelism? Right? Maybe we don't even know what evangelism is. Uh, in fact, when you think about it, you think of all, uh, you say, well, what's evangelism? And you just think of all the other isms you know. Maybe if you don't know anything about it, you think, well, there's racism and there's sexism and there's elitism and there's classism. Seems like all the isms are bad. Um, so maybe I should stay away from this ism. Uh, all evangelism is, ism uh, has the same suffix as those other words, but ism basically is just a bias towards and a bias for. 
So yeah, racism and sexism and classism and elitism is a, is a bias of elevating one group of people over another. And we would, as Christians, say, no, that's, that's not good because God created all people equal. That was something that God gave. Uh, and so that's not good. But evangelism, if you take it that way, it's a bias not towards a people but a message. It's a bias saying we believe there's a message and we believe there's a hope. Evangel just means good news or news or good news that we believe there's a message that's good news that should be elevated above others. And so an evangelist is someone who shares that message. So it's not really a scary word, but it does feel like a scary word. Because when we think of evangelists, we think of someone who preaches to people, mostly strangers, in a public place, and we think that's kind of scary because I'm not a preacher, and I don't like talking to strangers, and I don't want to talk in public places in front of all other people. And so we think, well, maybe that's not for me. Maybe there are other people who are called to do this thing about sharing about Jesus, because I'm not, that's not me. I don't, I don't preach in public places to strain. That's hard. That's scary. Maybe God has called other people to do that. And when we think of that, let me go back to the fishing illustration for a moment. We kind of let ourselves off the hook and say, well, it's someone else's job to fish. Someone else's job to tell people about Jesus. We think it gives us an excuse not to make followers. But the problem is, or the reality is, that Jesus said, in order to be a disciple, you've got to make disciples. But this, there's a lot of things that scare us about that. Sometimes we don't share our faith. Sometimes we don't talk about Jesus because we think we don't know enough. If I knew more, I, you know, when I, when I know enough, when I have more answers, I'll tell people about Jesus. You know the funny thing about that? The funny thing about that is most of the people who make that statement, I find, are people who've been following Jesus the longest. And, and by extension often know the most. The person that just came to Jesus is like, I got to tell everybody about this because they don't know what they don't know. And they're like, I, I, just, I just know that I saw Jesus and I came to Jesus and they're, they're telling everybody. And then it's a Christian that's kind of known Jesus a long time. It's like, I don't know if I know enough. I'm going to, you know, it's only been 20 years. I got to know a little bit more. Um, you know, and so sometimes we feel like we don't know enough. Or maybe you think, I don't want to get into a debate. I can't argue. You know, I've heard these people who can argue really well. That's not me. I don't want to get into a debate. Or I don't want to face hostility. I don't want to get into conflict. And so we kind of let ourselves off the hook. And so we maybe give ourselves an excuse not to fish. But let me talk to you this morning about the fact that we have this responsibility for followers to make additional followers. But is there a better way? I think there is a better way. And sometimes we ignore it because we think about all these other things of the person who has all the answers, the person who goes and argues, you know, on a, on a university campus, or the person who, who, you know, who has the website or, or the apologetics aspect that has all the answers, and we think, well, that's just not me. So maybe it's not me that's supposed to share. But let me talk to you about a better way. Is there a better way this morning? I think there is a better way, and it involves two steps, two simple steps. When it comes to followers making followers, disciples making disciples, it involves two simple steps. And the first one is this, live the life. The first one is this, live the life. So in Mount Hope's model for ministry, we have these three words, learn, love, and live. We say as a congregation of people, we gather together to learn about God, 
we grow in our love for each other and our love for God, and we go out and live a life of faith for God in the world where we are. And so we have this thing. And so we gather to learn about God. We grow in our love for God. We grow in our love for others. But then we go and live a life of faith. And I just want to focus on that last word this morning, this idea that we are called to live a life of faith. And the first step in bringing people who you know who are close to you and far from God, the first step is to live the life of faith before them is to live a consistent life, Christian life, wherever you are. can live a consistent Christ-following life wherever you are. And I don't know where your space is. Maybe your space is in the workplace. Maybe you're in the home in the neighborhood a lot. Maybe you're on a school board PTO or a rotary club or a town board or a company boardroom or a sales floor or a laboratory or a hospital or a classroom or an operating room. I don't know where your space is, but what I know is your space is different than my space. And in your space, there are people who are close to you and far from God, just like in my space. My neighbors are my neighbors. And, and none of you have the responsibility to live out your faith on my street. I don't think any of you live on my street. So, so I, I have this responsibility. I have neighbors that are close to me and far from God. And so I need to live out a life of faith before them. But you've got people in your life that aren't in my life, people you work with, people you live alongside, people you're family with that you're close to, and they're far from God. And... You don't think about it much, baby, but I think God puts you there strategically. I think God has you there on purpose because you are close to God and close to them, and he has a purpose for you there. And so in that place, it's your responsibility and my responsibility to live our life of faith there. It means being a person of integrity. It means having a great attitude, keeping, the perspective, keeping a perspective on things, looking to God for your strength, treating people with dignity, showing mercy and grace. It means going the extra mile, turning the other cheek, not, e- not being easily offended and using words that are good and uplifting. All these things that should characterize our life, all these things we talk and sing about on Sunday ought to characterize our life wherever you are on Monday. Like we come and we sing about the grace and mercy of God but are people in our sphere of influence on Monday experiencing a gracious and merciful person when they're around us? Or it's just these things we take from God but don't give to others? You know, as Christians, we're called to receive these things from God and then give them to others. Our Christ-following life ought to be evident in the place we are. It doesn't mean you're not on mission. doesn't mean you're on target. doesn't mean you're not, you're not doing things and getting things done. But as a Christ follower, I've got to get things done in a certain way that maybe is different than someone else who doesn't have the same values that I have. The fruit of the Spirit is talked about in the Bible. Fruit of the Spirit, Paul talks about love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How would you like to work around people that had that stuff going on in their life? How'd you like to work around people? How'd you like a boss that has patience when you mess up? How would you like a boss that is kind when others are throwing you under the bus or throwing darts? How would you like a boss in your life that's faithful to you when everyone else has jumped ship on you? 
How'd you like to work for someone who has self-control when everything else is going out of control? They still exhibit self-control in their life and they don't look out of control. Wouldn't you like to work for someone like that? And you have people working for you, maybe, or you work beside people. And wouldn't they love to work for someone like that? Man, if I could just work for someone who is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those of you that are in positions of leadership, the people that work for you, would they use those words to describe you? Would they use those words to describe their boss? I don't know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to that's not really what the sermon's about this morning, I'm not trying to indict you, but, but, but it's a good test, right? Because these are the things we're supposed to live this life of faith before people so that people are drawn in. Because you live this life, you do all this stuff, and you haven't even talked about Jesus yet. You haven't even talked about Jesus yet, and you're called to do all this stuff and live this life. And you live this life before people such that they look at you, and they say, how come you're not all out of control? How come you're gracious to that person that no one else is gracious to? They may not use those words, but the question might be raised in their mind. So live means to remember that God is with you and that you rely on him. God is with you in your sphere of influence in those places that you're close to and those people that are far from God. So that's step one. Live the Christian life. Live the Christian life around people. Live that life that, that, that is empowered by God before people. Let it raise questions in people's minds. But the second step is this. Invite. Invite. This is the come and see people. Invite people to encounter Jesus and observe him and his followers for themselves. So in John chapter 1, there's this passage when Jesus is calling some of his first followers. And I want to read it for you. I don't have it on the screen for you. If you have a Bible, you can turn to it. John chapter 1, I'm going to pick up in verse 35. Um, If you don't have a Bible with you, there's some great apps you can get. The Bible app, the YouVersion app. You can read it there, but, or you can just sit and listen. Let me read to you from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 35. Jesus is just starting his ministry. Uh, this is uh, the next, it says, the next day again, John, that could be confusing because that's actually John the Baptist, not the John that wrote this book. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, 
come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there's no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. There's a better way. Didn't have all the answers. Didn't head into an argument. Didn't get into a debate. Come and see. Philip encountered Jesus, and he knew Nathaniel. And Nathaniel was close to Philip, but far from Jesus. And so he said to Nathaniel, hey, come on out. Come see this guy. This is the one you've been waiting for. This is the one you've been seeking. Come and see. And Nathaniel was a bit skeptical. Can anything good come from Nazareth? And you have friends that are skeptical. I mean, Nathaniel sounds like a, like a New Englander to me. It's like, can, can anything good? Come like, like I, don't, I don't know. Like church? Are you, are you serious? You're telling me church? Jesus? You tell, me, you tell me Jesus is the answer to all this? You tell me Jesus is, is why you act like this? You know, and, and it's said more of a skeptical questioning tone than anything else. Are you serious? Like, like, are you serious with this? That's your answer? That's what you're telling me? And then what do you say in that moment? Well, you backtrack. You, 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 you maybe stumble over words. You've got to try and come up with a reason. You're trying to come up with a scripture. Or come and see. Come and see. I can't explain it all to you. Come and see. And that's all Philip said. That's all he said. He didn't get into an argument with him. He didn't debate him. He just said, come and see. Come and encounter him for yourself. Andrew did it with Peter. He said, hey, we found him. Come on, Peter, come and see. It happens later in John in another passage that many of us know, John chapter 4. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But there's a woman who Jesus is talking to. And he's talking to this woman at a, at a well who's there by herself. And Jesus' disciples had gone off to get some food. And he's talking to this woman, gets involved with her about a religious discussion and about various religious. She's trying to avoid talking about some things she doesn't want to talk about, like why she's at a well in the middle of the day by herself, uh, which Jesus kind of identifies uh, things in her lifestyle that she wanted to keep distance between her and the rest of the community. And Jesus points all that out. And eventually the conversation gets around to, well, we're waiting for this Messiah. And Jesus says, I'm him. And you know what the woman does after that? She goes and runs back to her village, to people that were close to her but far from Jesus, quite likely people who probably kind of made fun of her, persecuted her, ostracized her. She goes back to them and she uses these words, come and see someone who told me everything about me. Could he be the Messiah we've been waiting for? Could he be the one we've been seeking? Didn't have all the answers, didn't get into a debate, didn't get into extended apologetics, just said, come and see. And you know what they did? They went and saw. And they ran to Jesus, and it says many of them believed, and they said, we believe not because you told us 
but because we now have seen for ourselves. John chapter 4, you can read it for yourself. Come and see. I think there's a better way. Sometimes we let ourselves off the hook because we don't think we're that best of man. We don't think we're, we have all the answers. We, but you don't have to have all the answers. Philip didn't have answers. Andrew didn't have answers. I mean, you should study and have answers, but that's not always what you need. More often than not, they've seen your life. They've seen the way you're living. Their questions are raised in their mind. They want to know. Come and see. Encounter Jesus for yourself. Let me share with you about him. Sometimes that's just how it happens. I went to, when I was in Belmont a few weeks ago preaching, I met a woman there and uh, found out a little bit of her journey of how she ended up at Mount Hope in Belmont. And, you know, how, and found out how she got there. She was having coffee at Dunkin' Donuts in Waverly Square. And she was having coffee with a friend of hers, just sitting down having coffee. And conversation got on to church, I guess, somehow. And, and she said, oh, where do you go to church? And the friend of hers just kind of pointed out the window across the street. And, uh, and she said, well, you, you should come. And she said, Okay. And, and that woman now attends Belmont, and I was, she was in the base camp class with me a few weeks ago, and, and is a regular attender of the church, and, and why? Because someone said, come and see. Come and check it out. So I was another conversation with a couple that attends uh, Mount Hope, and I said, you know, tell me your journey. How'd you, how'd you get here? You know, I started attending fairly recently. How'd you get here? And they told me uh, this really cool journey of how they ended up here, and sometime I'm going to have them share it with you because I'm not going to share all the details this morning. But eventually, how they eventually found Mount Hope is they said, oh, there's someone in town that owns a business, and, uh, and they were talking about their church, and they said, you should come to my church. You, sh- you should come out. And so when they eventually were looking at some time when they were having a conversation, so, you know, I really like to get back into church, and why don't you go check out their church? And they came, and they're here, and they attend. Because that's sometimes often how it happens. It's not a lot to it. You live your life for God in the place where he's called you to, and you say, come and see. That's how it happened for my family. Uh, been a lot of years now, but it was a guy named Bob. And uh, this guy, Bob, who attended here, uh, actually when the church was still in Lexington. We've been here a while. Uh, but even before we got to Burlington, church was in Lexington, and my parents were saying, you know, we've got to find a place to go. We've got to find a place to uh, worship. You know, we really think there's something different for our family we want than what we've been brought up in, so we have to find a place to go. And Bob said, you know what, why don't you come and check out my church? Come and see. Why don't you come on, why don't you come on out? Come on out. And so my parents came, and, uh, and they brought, and I had to come. Um, LAUGHTER I've been here a while. But then my mom got talking to Rosa, and my dad got talking to Fred DiStefano, Rosa and Fred, and, and uh, Rosa and Fred said, you know, we're literally looking for, we don't know, we want something else for our, for our family. We're looking for something else. Uh, you know, we're not sure what to do. And, and they said, you know, our church has an Easter uh, production. Why don't you come and see? Why don't you come and check it out? And I asked Rose and Fred if I could share this this morning. And they said, yeah, yeah. And, they, and they, so they came. And they've been here. And they brought their family. Because someone said, come and see. And then Rosa was talking to her sister, Vera. And, and she told Vera. And she said, Vera, you know, you, sh- you should come and see. You should come and check it out. And Vera said, okay, I'll come. So Vera came. And she came. And she brought her family. And she, Vera brought her daughter, Melissa. 
who's here this morning, and Melissa said, yeah, I want to, I'll go, you know, or she had to come too, kind of like me maybe, I don't know. She came, but she doesn't have to come this morning, and she's here. She's here, and, and Melissa came, and eventually, you know, Melissa got married, and, and her and Ivor were looking for a church. She said, Ivor, why don't we go check out? Go back to Mount Hope, check that out, and her and Ivor are here, and their son. And, and then Ivor works, you know, because he's got people that are close to him and far from God, and he works with someone who, you know, saw Ivor's life, saw the way he lived, and, and, uh, and Ivor said, why don't you come and, you know, why don't you just come and see? Why don't you come and check out Mount Hope? And he came and brought his wife. And it all kind of happens that way, I think, a lot of times. And it's not that difficult because it's not strangers. It's usually people you know, and you're living a life around them, and you're looking for opportunities, and you're not forcing. You just, why don't you come and see and let God do his work? Why don't, you, why, don't you do what, why don't we do what we can do, and then just let God do what only he can do? And that's change a life, touch a heart make a difference in a family, make a difference in a legacy, make a difference in an eternity. Let me do a quick informal survey um, and, uh, and, and ask you this. And, uh, how many of you in here came to Mount Hope because of another person? Someone invited you, someone brought you, someone told you about it, someone, uh, you know, you came because someone else said, come and see. How many of you here? Raise, raise your hands. Raise your hands. Look around. Just take a look around. Raise your hands. How many, okay, put your hands down. How many of you came totally out of the blue? You found it on your own. You Google searched us. You, no one else, you, you didn't know about Mount Hope through another person you found it completely on your own. How many of you? Raise your hands. That's a pretty good amount too, actually. That's pretty good. Now let me do it again. How many of you came to Jesus, not to Mount Hope? How many of you came, those of you that are Christians in here, how many of you came to Jesus, came to know Jesus because of another person talking with you, being in a relationship, sharing with you? Might be your parent. If you were a child, you were brought up. Someone shared with you. Yeah, I saw more hands go up there. You're, yeah, that's why my hand's up, right? My parents brought me, told me. All right. Now, how many of you came completely out of the blue? No person involved. Um, you, I don't know how you did it, but you did it somehow. <laughs> God revealed himself in a dream. How many? One, two, three, five. It can happen. It does happen. But here's my point. I think so often we are looking to the strategies that most that were not used to bring most of us to Christ. That most of the time we're looking at, oh, the person that goes and preaches out to the stranger, to someone they don't know, and that can work. There's someone that, 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 that watches on TV, that can definitely work. I know people in this church that have said, I got saved because I heard a message on TV. That can definitely work. I, I know that. But the vast majority of us would say we came to Jesus either because we were brought up in a Christian home or because a Christian came into our lives and invited us to say, come and see. 
told us about it. So why is it that we ignore the most effective strategy there is and think we have to have all the answers or have to argue it or have to, why is it that we think we have to be this great evangelist and why is it that we have to think we have to be this super Christian when what was used for most of us to come to Christ is just someone saying, why don't you come and see? Why don't you come check it out for yourself? And I think most of the time, that's the most effective way, and it's the thing we ignore the most. And sometimes we say, well, you know, I I don't feel comfortable persuading people. We live in a world where everybody is persuading people. I mean, maybe we should, you know, I mean, I feel like I should care at least as much as the guy on TV trying to sell me a vacuum or a pillow. Right? I mean, he's always trying to persuade me. You know, he's trying to persuade me to buy his vacuum. He's trying to persuade me to buy his pillow. And I feel like I should probably care at least as much about that guy who's trying to give you a clean house and a good night's rest, about people having a clean soul and an eternal rest. Like, like everyone else is trying to persuade people. Maybe we, maybe we shouldn't be afraid to either. You know? So we want to be the kind of church. Let me just tell you, this is what I want to get to this morning. We want to be the kind of church, our church. We want to be a place where you can say to people, come and see. So it's why, you know, this morning I say, yeah, we're, we're investing some money in our kids' spaces, and they're going to look really cool, and we're going to do some other stuff, you know, like that, because we want it to be a place where you can easily say to your friends and your family, come and see. So the way I'd put it is this. We, as a church, want to be, we are believer-focused and seeker-sensitive. We are believer-focused and seeker-sensitive. And what that means is, and some of you say, well, what does that mean? Believer focus means when we gather together to learn about God, when we gather together as Christians, when we gather together as church on a Sunday morning, we're really, we gather together to do what the Bible says, to spur one another on to good works, to hear and respond to God's word, to enjoy time together in relationship, pray for one another, love one another, be equipped for the ministry that God has called us to. That's why we gather on a Sunday morning. We gather together for all of that. That's my thought as a pastor on a Sunday morning when I'm teaching and preaching the word of God. Those are what's in my mind. I want to equip the saints for the work of the ministry that you're called to. I want to be able to send you out to the place where God has called you to be able to live for him, to be able to minister for him, to be able to be Jesus where God has sent you. It's, we're here to worship. We're here to encourage each other, spur one another on, pray for one another. That's why we're here. But we're also sensitive to the fact that there are people here on any given Sunday morning. It's someone's first Sunday On any given Sunday morning, there are people here who are considering Jesus. And so we're aware of that and we're sensitive to that. And so we'll do things that just will be recognized that that's the case. And so you'll hear us on a a Sunday morning explain every week where the kids' church room is. And you say, don't we know where the kids' church room is? Yeah, of course you do. It's not for you. I'm not explaining that for you. You already know where the kids' church room is. And you'll hear us sometimes explain why we receive an offering in the midst of the service, why we worship God with our giving. Well, I already know where we worship. I know it's not for you. It's all right. I'm just talking to people who don't know because it's kind of weird for them maybe. And so we'll talk about that. And we'll just give a quick explanation. Why do we raise our hands when we sing? We'll give a quick, we don't have to stop raising our hands. We just give a quick explanation of why we do it. I already know where the Gospel of John is in the Bible. That's great. Some people don't. So we'll explain where it is. And we'll explain what a Bible is sometimes and what Old Testament and New Testament is sometimes because that's, that's strange language sometimes to people who aren't raised in a church. 
And it's not, so we're believer focused and seeker sensitive, sensitive to people in the church who come who are not familiar with the church, and we all should be sensitive to that, not just assume that that happens and that people know all that. So we'll be believer focused, focused on what we're called to do. But when other people come in, you can come in and see how Christians live, see how Christians are taught, see what Christians think, and consider if following Jesus is what God is inviting, is calling you to, and that you want to consider and say yes to him in this part of your life. Paul in Corinthians, when he was writing to the church at Corinth, he said to them, he said, look, if an unbeliever comes in or someone who does not understand comes into your gathering as a church, he'll be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare so he'll fall down and worship God exclaiming God is really among you. In other words, when, a, when someone who doesn't know Jesus, they should come into your midst and they should be able to understand what's being said so they themselves can respond to God in their life. Paul's saying, unbelievers, people who don't know Christ, they'll come into your mix. They'll come into your gathering. And when they do, they should be able to understand what's going on so that they can respond to the message as well. Uh, and so it's, it was true then, it's true now. We believe that people should be able to respond. Come in for the first time and understand what's going on. Because if you aren't raised in the church, you can come in and be like, mm, I don't know what's going on. We want to be able to help you. So, one thing I can ask you is help us help you. Help me help you. If there's something that was like, you know what, this would help me tell people come and see. Because maybe sometimes you see something that I don't see and we want to be a place where, where we can invite people to come and see. And it's easy to do that. I'll give you an example. About a year back, um, if you've been about Hope a while, you'll, know, you'll remember we used, to, we used to do something in service that we don't do anymore. We used to do something in service that we don't do anymore. Anyone, anyone take a guess at what it is if you've been here a while? Notebooks. notebooks. Uh, we used to pass these notebooks down your row every day, every Sunday, right? We passed these notebooks down here. We called them, at one point we called them friendship notebooks. Then we started calling them connection notebooks. You know what someone who didn't attend Mount Hope would call them? Attendance books. Attendance books. And then we had a good purpose for doing it. They were helpful to us. It gathered great data. I'm a data person. I love data. And I'm like, oh, we can't get rid of the friendship notebooks, connection notebooks. They give us great data. Uh, but, uh, and so we're like, no, it's good. So we asked you to check in every week. We'd ask visitors to sign in. But then someone said something about a year ago, was talking to us and said, you know, every time I invite people to church, you know what the hardest thing to explain to them is? Why we, have, why we take attendance. I, every time I invite someone new to church, that's like the weirdest thing to them, that we pass books down the row, for, like we're adults, and we pass books down the row, and we take attendance, and, that, and I have to always explain that. And so we listened to that, and we said, well, I really like the attendance. There's a reason we do it, but I will right, consider that. Maybe that's, maybe, maybe we're not going to give up the reason why we do it, which is to help us care for people and know what's going on in the life of the church, but maybe we can find a different way. Maybe we can find a different way so it's easier to use to say, come and see. And so we came up with a different way. Connection, we started the connection cards to get you know, information from new people so we can contact those who want to be contacted and help us keep in contact with them. And we came up with other ways to, to keep in contact and keep an eye on people in the church. And we said, we don't have to do the notebooks. If that's, if that's a barrier for you to invite people, then we can, 
We can figure something else out. We're not going to compromise what we're doing, the reason we're doing it, but we can do it differently. So you, if you come up to me after church and say, Pastor, you know what keeps me from inviting people? You talk too much about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to change that. <laughs> but if you got something else, maybe I'll listen to it. Uh, but, you know, if you see something, you know, and you're like, and you're like hey, this is, you know, this, this is really, maybe you don't see it, but when I invite someone. And if you are like, oh, there's nothing like that here. Maybe it's been a while since you've sat beside someone who's, at church for their first time and thought about it through their eyes. So come and see. We want to be a place where that is the case. Let me just finally close by giving you just some practical steps to take from this message. Again, you can you get some ideas. You know, talk to us. Um, talk to myself, Pastor Marvin, Pastor Brian. Uh, we have some thoughts of things that we want to do and to help it, make it easier for come and see. But if you've got some ideas, uh, you know, talk to us. That's one thing. Here's a practical step. Uh, if you have a, a smartphone, take it out. This is one of the only times I'm going to tell you to do this in church. Um, and one of the only times I'm going to tell you to do this. If you're on social media, go to your social media page. If you're on Facebook, go to Facebook. We're going to, take, we're going to do a quick missions trip. What's the largest population-wise country in the world? China. How many people? I don't think it's 2 billion yet, but they're up there. 1.3? 1.3. Second largest is what? India. How many in India? 1.1. Yeah, yeah, 1.2. So it's up there. A lot of people. The largest nation in the world, the organized group of people, is Facebook Nation. 1.86 billion active users as of last December. So if we take mission trips to India and China, we can take a quick mission trip to Facebook. So if you're on Facebook, you go to the Mount Hope page for your missions trip, and you go to the Mount Hope page on Facebook, you'll see there's a graphic there, and there's, uh, there's, there should be a graphic there about Holy Week and some of the things coming up, an Easter egg hunt. There should be some things coming up there. And all you have to do is click the come and see button. Oh, wait, there's no come and see button. But there's a share button. And what you're saying when you click the share button is, come and see. Come and see. Quick missions trip. And we'll, do, you know, we'll try and make it easy for you to do things like that, to invite people to things that we're doing. And here's why I say this is a strategic time of year for us to do stuff like this. Because between now and June, there are several opportunities for you to say to your friends and family, come and see. There's several opportunities between now and June that are coming up that are specifically there for you as a Christian who maybe been talking to your friends about church, maybe you've mentioned church to them, maybe they've asked about it. You're already in this relationship, right? You're like, you're like Nathaniel and Philip. They already know you, and maybe they're already seeking some answers. But between now and June, there are several places where you could just say, come and see. So next week is one of those. So next Sunday, we have Palm Sunday, and we do an Easter egg hunt. And why do we do that? Because Easter eggs are about Jesus and the resurrection? No, they have nothing to do. With Jesus and the resurrection, if, if you're not, you know, maybe you're new and you don't know that. Uh, Easter eggs have nothing to do with it. Easter has nothing to do with it. The word Easter, I'm not even going to get into it, has nothing to do with Resurrection Sunday or anything. I understand that. I understand the language. Why do I use it? Because everybody outside the church knows what Easter is. Because everybody outside the church knows when Easter is. I'm not crazy about the word Christmas either. You know, we fight about saying the word Christmas. Well, Christmas means Christ's Mass. We don't have Mass here, so whatever. But, so, um, 
But I'll use it because everybody knows what it is. But everybody, everybody knows what it is. So, so we use it. And so we'll have an egg hunt on next Sunday. Why do we do it on Palm Sunday? Because we found that some, uh, sometimes that's a great time to get people. Everyone else is doing them on Easter Sunday. So we'll do them on Palm Sunday. And we'll try and give people a chance to invite people. In fact, sometimes our Palm Sunday service is more attended than our Easter Sunday service. And because we use those not outreach. And we do it on Sunday intentionally. And here's why. Because you've already been talking to some of your friends about going to church. And so, hey, we get an Easter egg hunt. Why don't you come out? The kids will have fun. They'll have an egg hunt after church. And you can, you can come out and see what church is all about. We've been talking about it. Here's a great Sunday. The kids will, you know, they get a great thing for the kids afterwards. And you can come out. And next week's message I'm sharing uh, is called Plastic Eggs going to be talking about uh, those things that in our world that often appear real but are not, you know, those things that we look to to fulfill our very real desires but don't provide real satisfaction. So very uh, geared towards, you know, some people who may come for the first time, just plastic eggs, talking about that. So, you know, we'll be doing that next Sunday. So that's an opportunity to invite people. We have the Good Friday service that, that week, at, you know, that week as well. Good Friday is a one-hour illustrated message. And it's one of the most powerful services we do all year. I would say it probably is the least, I don't know, I don't know if I say least seeker-friendly. I don't know. But people invite people and love it, and people come for the first time all the time because it's interactive. It's a little more participatory. So people invite people to the one-hour Good Friday service from 7 to 8 on Good Friday. And we'll have an illustrated message that will illustrate what the cross and everything's all about. And then, of course, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. I'll be doing a first-person sermon that uh, day. So those of you that have been here before know what that's about. And you can invite your friends. You say, our pastor is, uh, you know, he's crazy. He thinks he can actually act a little. And... <laughs> And he gets on stage and puts a costume on and, you know, come on and uh, you can hear a little different Easter message than you might uh, have heard before. And so we'll be doing that on Easter Sunday, do a first-person message. And so there, those are clear things that are coming up as well. But then there's other things. Uh, next week, you're going to hear about the Mother's Day tea. We do it every Mother's Day weekend. And that's, again, we'll have hundreds of women out in the Family Life Center and on a Saturday morning of Mother's Day weekend, and it's going to be done excellent, and it is such a great event, and it's an easy thing for those of you ladies to say, you know what, come and see. You know, you, want, you don't want to come on a Sunday, you don't want to come to a church service, come to a gym. They don't know what a Family Life Center is. Come to a gym. You know, we would set up like a beautiful tea room, and you're going to love it, and it's incredible, and it's fun, and it's exciting. Come and see, so there's an event. And those of you who are guys are here, well, I'm off the hook. No, you're not. We decided, uh, you'll hear more about this coming up, you know, the, the guys, we always thought, you know, these ladies have this wonderful tea and they never invite us to it. And it didn't look like they were going to invite us this year either. Um, so we are going to do something on Father's Day weekend that is going to be just incredible. And, you're gonna, and, and it's going to be an incredible uh, morning that we are putting together uh, on the scale and of the, on, on, the, uh, on the similar as the ladies do for the tea, only geared much more towards guys. We've got an incredible speaker that's coming out that morning that I'm not going to tell you right now, but we're going to tell you about in the near future. And you're going to want to bring people. And yeah, you're going to have to buy tickets and buy tickets for them and tell them to come, and buy a table, and tell them to come, and we're going to have hundreds of guys out in that Family Life Center, and in the parking lot on the Saturday of Father's Day weekend, where you can say to your guys, hey, come and see what's going on, and it'll be an event for you. Another one coming up every Memorial Day weekend, we have Teen Challenge come to both our campuses and speak. 
If you're not aware, uh, everybody around you is aware of the opioid situation that's going on and there's articles and news articles and I'm on a town board in Burlington that's looking at this and saying, what are we doing about this in our town? What's going on? Drugs are a problem in the world we live in. And so come out, you know, every Memorial Day weekend, we bring in Teen Challenge, this, uh, and we hear stories of guys who God has touched their life and changed and delivered from those bondages. And another opportunity to say, you know what, you've got someone in your life, you've got a friend, you've got a family member, you've got someone that's being impacted by this drug problem, why don't you come and see that Sunday, hear some stories of some people that are finding hope and deliverance from it. So these are just opportunities where we do that. And I just want to, again, if you're a guest here this morning, we're glad you're here. But really want to just take one opportunity this year to just say, hey, this is how we plan to reach people. People ask me all the time, well, how do you reach people at Mount Hope? This is often how we do it. We, our intent is to pour into you so that you go out to those places where you're around people who are close to you and far from God, and you are equipped to show and share Jesus with them and to just say, come and see, and we create a place where they can come and see. And so Andrew brought Peter, and Philip brought Nathaniel. Who are you bringing? Who am I bringing? Who are you bringing? Who, are you, who is in your life right now that you are either at the place where you can say, come and see, or you're getting to that place? So you have that Connect card in front of you if you haven't um, turned in that bottom perforated part. Here's what I want you to do. Um, that bottom perforated part on the back is a place for prayer requests. As we close out our service today as a way of uh, response, I'd ask you to Write on that card the initials of someone that you are praying about the opportunity for them to come and see. Someone that is close to you and far from God, but that you know would be so much better off if they knew Jesus. And I want you to write their initials, not because, you, because here's what I want you to do with it. You know that person. We want to be praying with those, for those people now through the next month, through Easter and these events. There's two prayer boxes on either end of the sanctuary. Uh, as you go out, I ask you to put those cards and those initials, put, drop them in the prayer box, and we want our team and our prayer teams to be praying for those people, praying with you for those people that you are invited. Just put their initials on them. You can put your name on there so we know, hey, Wendy's praying for GT. You know, we pray for Wendy's friend GT. Would you help, uh, you know, him come and give Wendy the words to say? And we want to be praying for you and we want to be praying for your friends because ultimately the thing that brings someone to Christ is Christ, that God draws, God saves. God changes, but we will be committed to doing everything we can on our end to bring people to the place where they can come and see and experience and encounter God for themselves. They can be around Christians and say, okay, this is what a Christian is, because I see them depicted on TV. I hear about them in jokes that people tell around the office, but they come and they sit beside you. And they listen to what you listen to. 
and they have the opportunity to consider God's invitation to them. And maybe they sit here for weeks and maybe they sit here for months until they come to that place where they not only come and see, but they respond and they become a person who then is telling someone else to come and see. Would you stand, pray with me as we close out our service this morning? God, we come before you this morning. And Lord, those of us in this room who are Christ followers, who call ourselves Christians, who have given our lives to you, have committed to you being our Lord, have accepted and experienced your love and your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. Lord, may we first... May we first be overwhelmed by all you are and all you've done, Lord. God, forgive us for the times that we are so casual about the things of God and what you've done. Forgive us for the times where we have failed to be overwhelmed by who you are and by what you've done, where we can casually take communion without encountering the living God who has given his life, who loves us, Lord, may we be so overwhelmed that, Lord, that's what would fuel, not an obligation, not a guilt trip, but, God, we are so overwhelmed by encountering you and what you've done that we would go out to the people who are close to us and far from you and have this overwhelming desire and passion because we know that they need you. We know that the things they seek fulfillment in and meaning in going to disappoint them at some point but there is something that will never disappoint them and so Lord we pray that you'd fill us with that passion we pray that you'd fill us with that desire we pray that you'd fill us with your love your strength your boldness to live the life of Christ before those people in our lives who are close to us and far from you And we'd have that opportunity, Lord, to say, come and see. Come and see. Lord, because we want them to experience all you have for them. We want them to have all that you have for them, Lord. So let us be a church that regularly and often tells people to come and see, invites them to come and see Jesus for themselves. God, I ask this in Christ's name. Amen.